Man, this is the second service today. You guys have done so awesome, man. Thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting your friends. Uh, I know it's not easy getting up and getting all the kids ready and getting out of the house. It just means the world to us that you would come and hang out with us. And to all of those watching online from all over, from Hawaii to Dallas to you name it, they're out there, Washington, D.C., Washington State. Can you give them a little love? Let them know we're glad they're watching this morning. Come on, y'all. What's up? Listen, man, we are so, so thankful because uh, today we're going to have a little fun. I'm going to give you some help. Uh, my goal is by the time you walk out of here, you'll be encouraged, you'll be strengthened, and you'll be reminded of really why today is so important. But before we get started moving into this, I have to recognize Barksdale Air Force Base right here, the B-52 bomber. Come on, give them a little love. Let them know we love. If you're in our local Air Force Base, thank you for coming and hanging out with us, man. It just means the world to us that you would be here. Also, I got to give a little shout out to Fort Polk. Where my Fort Polk love at? Come on, give them a little love down there. And the reason I say this is in this state, there are some great, great people who are serving this country. And we just can't thank you enough for the sacrifices. Whether you're going overseas or whether you're right here staying at the house, taking care of the family while they're deployed, we love you and we're extremely grateful for your sacrifices. Uh, I say all that because my dad was actually stationed at Barksdale Air Force Base as well. Here's a picture of him back in the day. He was in Vietnam. As you know, man, not an easy time, challenging, difficult. But we heard from an early age the importance of uh, making sure that we thank the veterans and we support our military. And so I want one more time from the top of your lungs to let them know how much we value them and appreciate them. Don't keep it in. Let's go. Give it up for them, y'all. For all of y'all, man, thank you. Now, as I was growing up in that house, I was a typical kid of the 80s. About 1986, it was my junior year, and I was trying to decide what I was going to do, the career choice for my future. And as I was navigating that, something came into my mind, not really because of my dad. My dad wasn't a pilot in the Air Force. He was just a regular serviceman. He was, you know, taking care of his business, but he wasn't flying the planes. But as I'm living this life as a junior in high school career, what am I going to do? Where am I going to serve? How am I going to make my life count? Something happened, and it changed my life. It made me want to be a pilot. And you may be saying, well, what happened in 1986? I bet you'll remember after I show you this. Watch. Gentlemen, this school is about combat. There are no points for second place. You think your name is going to be on that plaque? Yes, sir.
like you because you're dangerous. That's right. I am dangerous. Where are my Top Gun people at? Come on, y'all. Can you imagine being in high school in your junior year, you're trying to figure out your career and Top Gun comes out? You're like, I'm going to be a pilot. There's no doubt I'm going to be a pilot. Well, that didn't really happen. We'll get in that in a minute. But we have been waiting a long time, and I want to be the first to tell you, in case you've missed the news, you don't watch anything, you live under a rock. Coming out next month, it is finally here, Top Gun 2. Can I get an amen? If you need to know, here is your inspiration. Let's go to the movies together. Watch. going, Justin, are we ever going to get to anything else? Just let me go back. I'm reminiscing, guys. Relax, all right? Because all of this is in my mind from 86. Now here we are looking forward to next month, the new Top Gun coming out. And then as I'm navigating my high school career, I graduate. I'm not a pilot, as I told you. And you go, well, Justin, what happened to you? What did you become? Well, it's obvious. This is what I became right here. Boom. That's it right there. You think that mullet ain't something, son? Look at that right there. Yeah, that's when I worked at Gadzooks and Pierre Bozier Mall, surf and skate shop. We were having a lot of fun doing that, but no wonder, right? There's no way that guy could be a pilot. Well, you're right, but I was going to the movies, and another movie inspired me because in the midst of the surf and the skate thing that I was going through, I actually went to the movies and saw this, and it inspired me. Anybody remember this movie right here, Point Break? Come on, where are you at? Come on, Point Break. Patrick Swayze, we're not talking about ghosts, man. I'm talking about Point Break. Keanu Reeves, one of his first good movies out there, right? Well, what happened in it, this inspired me, and it even led up to what we're doing today, throwing airplanes and having a little fun, because this scene in the movie, ooh, it got me, and I got excited about it. Watch. Yeah. 
Any skydivers in the room? Where y'all at? Come on, let me hear you. That's the crazy people. Now, how do you know that? Because well, I jumped out of a plane. Yeah, it was me. I was been a part. I have been a part of that. That is me right there with my eyes closed. Look real close. My eyes are closed. All right. But I was flying with a B-52 Navigator. He is also a pilot, Mr. Kelly Lawson. Give him a little love. Kelly jumped out with me as my tandem leader there. And it was awesome. It was one of the most amazing things ever. And people ask me all the time, they're like, well, is it like flying? I'm like, well, it was kind of like flying, but honestly, it was more like falling real fast. That's what it was really like. You get out of that plane. You're jumping out of a perfectly plane. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But once you experience it, you're like, I totally get it. And some people say, well, why would you want to do that? Because from the earliest age in my life, I have wanted to fly. Here's a picture of me in my very early age. Look at me. That's Superman, son. High water Superman, but that's Superman. I wanted to get out there and fly. That was the dream. Some people want to do a lot of different things, but I really wanted to be able to let that be my superpower. So then when I couldn't succeed at that, I had children. So here is Hannah, my oldest. I let her fly, son. Threw her up. That's me. You can't see me. I'm below this picture. But I threw her up so that I could see her fly. And then if you go, well, that was your daughter. Yeah, I did my son as well. Look at this right here, son. Look at that face. He's 19 now. He's like, Dad, did you really do that? I'm like, yeah. And they loved it. Look how they're full of joy. They're like, this is awesome. What they did not know what was coming next, and that's the rough landing, just so you kind of have an idea. That's how it goes. So you, you can have a good time flying, but then you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to come down. Well, I found the closest thing to that, and many of you won it today. A lot of y'all are throwing your darts, and you landed on I Fly in Frisco. So just one more time, let me take you into what some of you are going to get a chance to do. Now, if you've never gone over there, go to Frisco and do some I Fly. It's a ton of fun, and it's a lot safer than jumping out of a plane, although I like doing both. Watch. All right, Simple Church, I have jumped out of an airplane before, but I have never really flown like this. This is Frisco, Texas. This is iFly. This is not falling. This is really flying. Watch this. I want to get away. I want to fly away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get away. I want to get away. Yeah. I want to get away. I want to fly away. Yeah. 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 Man, give it up for Jackson, my flight instructor over at iFly. And I know what some of y'all are thinking right now. Lose some weight, kid, right? You know, though, if I can fly like that, you can too. And it really is a ton of fun. Jumping out of a plane is a ton of fun. I, indoor skydiving is a lot of fun. But people ask, what's the difference between the two? Well, outdoor is a fall and the indoor is a lift. It literally pushes you through a jet engine up and you can fly through that. But this is the point that I want to make. All of that setup to get to this next point. And you're like, all right, please, Justin, hurry. I got to get to Granny's. Hang on, here it is. Both outdoor and indoor skydiving will humble you because you really don't know how to do it. So when you first jump out, you're really leaning on your instructors to kind of lead you through that. So I went to scripture, James 4.10, and I want to point this out because it applies to more than indoor and outdoor skydiving. If you humble yourselves before the Lord, he will what? That's what it's all about today. It's about lift. 
But here's the thing that we don't like. We don't like the first part. It's a lot like in life. When you talk about humbling yourself, you have to get to a place where you say, I don't know how to do this. Now you go, well, specifically, what are you talking about? Well, I could put a lot of things in this blank. I could go through a diagnosis of cancer. I could go through job loss. I could go through divorce. I could go through $5 a gallon gas. Can I get an amen out there, right? How do we do this? You look around at everything's going on in the world. You look at your individual world. You look at your family, maybe even your office, and you start going, how do I do this? All of these struggles humble us. It really kind of knocks us down a notch because you realize, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get through this. But there's good news. In the process of this humbling, Jesus promises to lift us up. He also promises to help you. Now, I know if you didn't grow up in church, you're like, I don't even know what that means. Or maybe you've been out for a while and you're going, well, help me with this. By the time we leave, it's going to help you. Look to what he says in Scripture through different stories, through different writers who went through some very humbling times, some difficult times, and here's what they wrote down for us to learn from. James 4.10, lasted thousands of years and we have it today. Let yourself be brought low before the Lord and then he will lift you up and help you. So that point that I'm putting on the screen, I'm getting it from God's word. I'm not just getting out of my head. It's not just an inspirational thought. It's the truth of what God says to all of us. He loves us enough to say that, hey, when you're brought down, when things knock you down, I promise you there is hope because I am going to pull you up and I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to help you. So when it comes to indoor flying or outdoor skydiving, there's one thing that's essential in either one of those processes that still apply to life. What is it, Justin? It's the word trust. And this is where many of us struggle, including the guy in the lights on the stage, which I'm no different than you. Lights make me no different. A stage makes me no different. When we walk out of here, we're all living in the same world. And what I struggle with is the same thing you struggle with, and that is, can I trust my tandem partner jumping out of an airplane? Can I trust the indoor skydive instructor to make sure I don't face plant against the wall? And then if you were to put it in other categories, can I trust the doctor? Can I trust the school? Can I trust whatever circumstance, your work, your business? And you're like, no, man, you can't trust anybody. And the enemy is all at work trying to get you to trust no one. Because if we lose trust, we really lose our society. If you don't trust doctors, if you don't trust the police, if you don't trust our military, if you don't trust anyone, then you begin to just say, I can't trust anyone. This world's going to hell in a handbasket and there ain't nothing none of us can do about it. Everybody fend for themselves. And then we get chaos. But then, for you in this room today, maybe going through the difficulty, the struggle, this is my hope and my encouragement to you. Psalm 28, 7. You ready? Here it is. The Lord is my strength and he is your safe cover. So let's say you go to the doctor and you're struggling. Can you trust him? And is it really true or not? No, I'm telling you now to go, all right, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Because he goes on, my heart trusts in him. In who? In Jesus. And I am helped. So my heart is then full of what? Joy. Joy. So let me just ask you this. Isn't that the goal? No matter what you're going through, no matter what the struggle is, no matter what the difficulty is, no matter what the news says, no matter what you're watching, no matter what you're hearing, don't you want joy? Isn't that what we hope is that we would be full of joy? That's what Jesus said, John 10, 10 said, I came to give you life and life in abundance, joy, fullness, 
I want you to have it next level. Now, I'm not making that up. This is Jesus himself. And here's the thing. As Christians, we struggle with all this because as you and I both know, we meet a Christian somewhere and the look on their face is not so full of joy. You kind of walk into the workplace and maybe somebody's struggling and they go to church, but they're not full of joy. They're not full of a full life. It's almost like, man, are they okay? Why are they so struggling? What's going on? And then if we're not careful, as believers, as Jesus, you can actually do some harm. I ran across this cartoon, and maybe you can relate. It says, you were a believer, yes, but you skipped the not being a jerk part. (laughs) Now, why do I like that? It's because I grew up in church. And I realized that sometimes we would hide behind Christianity. We would hide behind this little title. And the next thing you know, we would treat people horribly. And then we would walk around mad and angry and frustrated and people would be tearing each other apart. I'm like, man, this is not very fun. This is not very joyful. This is not very good. So how do we get this joy? And this is the reason I'm thankful you're watching while you're in this room. I am thankful you're here is because my goal is that you and I would be different. You go, what kind of different? John 12 different. Are you ready? And when I am lifted up on the cross, Jesus said, I will draw everyone to me. You know the reason we're in this room today? It was a pretty low moment at the time. It was the cross. Jesus goes to the cross to give his life for us. But what he says in the middle of this low moment, when I am lifted up on the cross, I will take that opportunity to pull all people together from all over the world to pull them into me so that everyone would have the opportunity to have a fresh start, a new beginning. And that's why you're in this room this Easter. It's because thousands of years ago, a man was put on a cross. He was lifted up. And all of his followers, all of his friends scattered because they're going, man, this is the end. It's the same way when you get the diagnosis. It's the same way when you lose your job or you go through a divorce or whatever it is. And you're going, this is the end. It's never going to happen. And Jesus is like, no. What looks like the end, what looks like it is going to be over, Jesus is coming in and saying, no, but when I am lifted up in your life, in your mind, in your heart, man, I will draw all people to me. And what you need to be reminded of and what I need to be reminded of is in the midst of these low moments, the truth of a John 3.16. When you see this verse, and you may have seen people hold up football games, and you may memorize it as a kid, but it's been a long time since you looked at it, so let's go back to it. God loved us so much. And out of that love, he draws you to him. That's why you're in the room. It's because he loves you. You may be frustrated with church. You may have been hurt by church. You may have been frustrated by Christians in the past. But let's don't get that in the way of the fact that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus for you. And that anyone and everyone who believes in him would not be lost. But they would have eternal life. Now, the reason I put this on the screen today is because I don't know if this applies to you, but it does apply to me because I remember a time in my life when I felt lost. Do you feel lost? Do you ever feel lost? I can tell you that if you've ever felt like that, that's why that scripture's there because it's like, hey man, I don't want anyone to feel lost. And how do you get out of this lost feeling and how do you navigate this? Colossians 2 gives us a great example. It says, hey, as you put your trust, there it comes again, in Jesus to save you, which is in eternal salvation. Like, hey man, I'm gonna take care of eternity, but this is the cool part. But now let me lead you in every step. So many times when you think of lost, when I grew up in church, it was about lost talking about eternity. And it's true that when Jesus died on the cross and he overcame the grave while we're in this room, he proved he had the power of the resurrection. 
so that you could have hope in eternity. But what is often lost and forgotten, and we get not focused on the right thing, we get distracted, is that he came to give you direction now. He came to lead you in every step, career, relationships, going through a sickness, going through a disease. He came to give you direction so that you wouldn't get lost in the world that we're in, not just eternity. Every one of us right now in our pocket, more than likely, you have a cellular device. And in that cellular device, you have what is called GPS. Everybody's seen this. This is what it looks like. You can program it in. How do I get to Brookshire Grocery Arena? And it will give you directions on how to get there. But if you have ever used your GPS, whether it's in town, out of town, most of the time it happens for me when I'm out of town, I'll be over in Dallas. We have a campus over there. So I'll be trying to get somewhere. I don't know where I'm going. And I'll make a wrong turn. I get a little lost. And in that moment, I start turning around and my computer, my phone begins to talk to me through my car and it says, recalculating. Recalculating. Anybody heard that before? Yes, you understand that that thing right there somehow knows you're taking a wrong turn and it'll say, recalculating, recalculating. Now, if you want to know what it's like for me to be riding with my wife as she's driving, I found a video that explains exactly what's that like. Watch this. Please turn right, turn left, turn right, recalculate, please take a 180 degree turn in 8 meters, please take another 180 degree turn, recalculating, Head in shot. 6 meters, please take a 180 degree turn, recalculating, make a turn in 4 meters, recalculating, in 9 meters, commit genocide, recalculate, turn right, recalculate, area 51, recalculate, Pakistan, recalculate, California, San Diego, turn left, where am I? I'm going to tell you right now, it's Easter, pray for me, because when I walk off this stage, it's going to be ugly. Lord, help us, all right? Seriously, we're having a little fun with it, but you've been there. You're trying to get somewhere, and it's like recalculating, recalculating. But here's the one thing I love about my phone. It never gives up on you. It just keeps on recalculating. It's recalculating. And this is what's so crazy. You think in your mind. That the God who created the universe and the minds who created GPS would actually give up on you. Man, maybe you didn't have a great year. Maybe this is the first time you've been back to church in five years, ten years. Maybe you hadn't been here since you were a kid and you're like, man, God gave up on me. He don't care nothing about me. No, no, no. You know what he's saying? Recalculating. Recalculating. And in that process, he never, ever throws in the towel on you. He is sitting there saying, I believe in you. We're going to get there. You may feel like you're lost, but I know exactly where you are, and I am going to lead you, and I'm going to guide you to the next place. Just tune in. Just listen, because it is not over. Do not get discouraged. Don't give up. I'm not quitting on you. Hebrews 13, 5. You ready? God has said this. I will never leave you. So he's never going to bail out on you. I will never run away from you. Now, you may feel like you've run away from God, but great news, man, he ain't running away from you. The Lord is my helper. That's what that GPS is there to do. It's like helping you get to your destination. And our God is doing the same thing for you and I. And he is trying to help you in the midst of all of the things that are distracting that you will not be afraid. You turn on the news, there's more anxiety than ever. Young people, you're so overwhelmed with anxiety because, man, it's trying to keep up with this person and social media. And I heard this is going to happen in school shooting. Every time you turn on the news, there was another school shooting uh, recently. There was one in a mall yesterday. I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do it? This is the goal of following Christ. 
this trust in him in the midst of the chaos. When you feel like you've lost your way, he promises never to leave us, never to walk away from us, and he will be your helper, and he will help you to not be afraid. When you get the diagnosis for cancer, when you get the diagnosis for whatever disease it is that you have, when the person looks at you that you've loved your whole life and says, I'm done and I'm walking away, and fear tries to come into you, Jesus says, don't quit because I'm going to walk with you through this. And as I was preparing the message, I was reminded of a time in my life where I got on an airplane and experienced turbulence. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, if you do not know what turbulence is, I'm going to show you a very quick video. And the reason I want to show it to you, I'm going to point out two things. Number one, watch the stewardess. Watch the flight attendant. Watch what happens, okay? And then number two, watch the young lady that is sitting. She'll be the one the most prevalent in the video because it looks like someone's video on her. There are two lessons to learn from this turbulence. Watch. Did y'all see the flight attendant? Off of the ceiling, son. I'm talking about boom. And then this is what I love. That's what you need to be doing. Can I get an amen on that? One time in my life, we're going to Hawaii. We're over the ocean. There is nowhere to put this plane down safely. In the middle of the ocean, man, I'm telling you, we start hitting turbulence. I'm carrying my one-year-old daughter at the time, Hannah. She's old now, 20 years old now. I'm holding her, all right? We're, we're bouncing around. I'm like, oh, it's just a little turbulence. No problem. I look over at my father-in-law. He's laughing. He's an idiot, by the way. I just want y'all to know that. If you see Ray Hayes today, tell him. He's laughing. It's fun. I'm like, dude, this ain't Disney World. All right, so chill on out. As we continue to go, it gets worse and worse and worse. I see the stewardess go down and start kissing people. I am not making this up. I'm like, hey, why are you kissing them? It's my kids. And I'm like, oh, Lord, we're going down. She's kissing people goodbye. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, then I'm trying not to throw up because everybody in the plane, people want to know what it's like. It gets really quiet. That's what happens. When you think you're going down, you may let out a yelp when it goes something big, but it gets very quiet. The only thing you hear is throw up. Can I get an amen on that? You're like, no, I ain't giving you an amen, but it's the truth. People are taking out them bags. Then I'm trying to block it out and focus. Do not do it. Just focus. I have to hand my daughter over, my treasured prized possession to my mother-in-law because I can't do it. Why? I'm going for it. Boom! I'm throwing up. Can't see everything. I'm like, God, you would think as a man of faith, right, that I would be good. But this is what I thought. I felt like it would never end. Have you been there before? You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm just getting messed around. I feel like it's just one thing after another. It's making me sick to my stomach. I mean, whether it's your career, whether it's your finances, whether it's your relationship, whether it's a sickness, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. And how are we going to do it? And, and as a man of faith, you'd think, oh, I bet you were just praying and you had all the faith in the world. No, I was going, God, what are you doing? I'm good. It's all over. We're going to die. Everyone's going to die. And they're like, oh, you're a preacher. That's awesome. And then, thank God, it went on for like 20 minutes. We're not talking one or two minutes. You can ask my wife. You can ask my in-laws. It was a long time. And then finally, we got to smooth air. And I'm thinking, I will never get on a plane again. They're like, you got to get back from Hawaii. I will swim. I am not getting on a plane. And here's the thing that hit me. While I'm thinking about this and talking about all this, this is the thing I want you to get. Trouble is inevitable. It's going to happen. 
I hate it. I don't want it to, but it's going to happen. But misery is optional. Can I get an amen on that? Because the truth is, I could have said, I'll never fly again. I'll never do anything again. I'm never going to go. You already know I'm standing here. The truth was, I had to get on a plane and come back. We're not doing this from Hawaii, although I wouldn't mind that. But we came back because it does end. Whatever this struggle is, whatever this difficulty is, it eventually ceases. It begins to settle down. Psalm 35, you ready for this? Crying may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That's what Easter is all about. On the night that Christ was crucified, when he was betrayed and he's taken in the morning and they're making sure that they're making a mockery of him, they nail him to a cross. It's bloody, it's messy, and everyone scatters because they're going, it's over. It'll never happen. This is it. But in that darkest moment, the turbulence roaring and rocking everyone's world, we're reminded of the power of a God who doesn't lose sight of us and our struggle. And he has the power to do what you and I cannot do. Jesus is not here. He has risen from death. Can I get an amen somewhere? Why do you need to clap? Why do you need to celebrate? Because of this one statement, the resurrection changes everything. It gives you hope for eternity. Death is not the end. It gives you power for the world you're in right now. It reminds you that, oh, it looks like it's over, but it's not. When you feel like the divorce is final, when you feel like the sickness is it, when you feel like the job loss is, oh, my God, how am I going to make it? I promise you the resurrection is hope. It changes everything. And I mean everything in your life. 1 Corinthians 6, 14. God brought the Lord back to life. That's why we're here. That's why we celebrate on Easter. But look at this. By his power, not your power, his power. And God is also bringing you and me, us, back to life. See, we will rise as well. The reason you needed to come today, and I don't care if it's once a year. Come back every year, once a year. Because I want to remind you that God loves you. He died for you. He overcame the grave for you. And he will help you rise up. And he don't give up. Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. And when you're in the turbulence and you feel like it will not end, he promises you. Eventually, it smooths out. And if you needed a lift today, thank you for coming. Thanks for risking it. Thanks for putting your clothes on, getting the kids up, and battling through whatever difficulty and adversity you brought into this room. Because Isaiah 60 says it like this, rise up and shine. Did your mom ever say, rise and shine, baby? There you go. Why? Because this is out of Isaiah. Rise and shine, for the light has come. The shining greatness of the Lord has risen upon you. As the sun comes up, there is hope for a new day. It may be trouble, but joy is coming in the morning. We have an opportunity to celebrate what God has done, not just thousands of years ago, but today in your life. The resurrection changed not only all of history and all of eternity. It changes your life. But let me give you some advice. If you're a believer in this room and you have grown up in church or you profess Jesus as your Savior, you are a Christian, whatever term you want to call it, please remember what I'm about to say right now. Here it is. Put it on the screen. Be an uplifter, not a jerk. Can I get an amen? Now, let me explain this. Because people are going through difficult times. People are struggling. People are fearful. People are scared. The last thing you need to do or be as a believer is a jerk. 
The last thing we need to be known for is the fact that you just don't care. I'm just going to say what I believe. It don't matter what you say. Oh, that's real Christ-like. Well, praise the Lord. That was really good. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Oh, okay. That is so uplifting, brother. Thank you. You're fixing to go to your in-laws. You're fixing to go to a family reunion, and it's that person that you don't get along with. You going to treat them ugly today? How does Jesus get uplifted in that? And how can you be someone that will uplift them when you don't represent him? And this is the thing. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, this is it. Encourage each other and build each other up. We in a community, whether that's simple church, whether that's you in your office, in your school, in your workplace, we should not be tearing stuff down. We should be lifting things up. And in a world that is falling apart, we need to be the lift. So that's why as military, that is why as family, as friends, you got to lift people up. Now you go, Justin, I'm fixing to get you out of here. How are we going to get out of here, Justin? Here is one thing you can do to lift people up. Are you ready? We're going to give you a letter so that you can write it. We're going to give you a thing to color so that you can understand why mailing something to a veteran can have such an impact. And here is the proof before we go. Watch. Inside the Vitalia Senior Residences in Strongsville, Ohio, 95-year-old Frank Grassberger sits on a treasure, literally sits. In fact, Frank says, other than his wife Dolores, almost nothing matters more to him than this note, which he carries everywhere. I'd never be without it. Why did it matter so much that you have it with you all the time? Because it's something that somebody thought of me that much. When he has that letter with him, he has a feeling of faith and trust and love. To understand how a letter can do all that, you first need to know that Frank is a World War II veteran. And back in 2009, a third grader wrote to thank him for his service. If it wasn't for you, we would never have freedom. I'm so happy you made sacrifices. Your friend, Deshauna Priest. To Frank, that simple thank you came to symbolize a life well served. I'm tickled to death that I have a letter like this. He wanted to thank the author. We never could find her. He says, before I close my eyes, I, I, I have to find her. I have to find her. Just about everyone who works here was well aware of Frank's attachment to that letter and his decade-long desire to find the little girl who wrote it. So the staff did some sleuthing. And lo and behold, Deshauna is now 21. <laughs> she vividly remembers writing the letter as a school assignment because she so admired people in uniform. It's like, wow. Like, I oh, get to write to a veteran. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like an honor. Yeah. An honor that continued. So here she is. When Deshauna surprised Frank Hello. in her National Guard uniform. Oh, I love you so much. You can't imagine the feeling I had when she stood next to me. It just took my breath away. It really did. I thought, where's his heart pills? Because I thought, oh, this is it. This is the big one. I'm telling you, this is a godsend. It really is. Fortunately, Frank's heart only swelled and may never return to its original size. <laughs> so this is the beginning of something. Yeah, uh, friendship. <laughs> Family, not friendship. <laughs> There's love there, deep down in the heart. She like my third daughter. She really is. It started with a lot of love and affection, and it's ending the same way. Who knew a simple thank you could make a life complete? Steve Hartman, On the Road, 
in Strongsville, Ohio. Come on, y'all. This is it. We're almost done. Look, you will be the Jesus most people see. Remember that. You are the resurrection. You are the life. So when you treat people and you uplift them, look at the guy like Frank. Just through a simple letter, through an encouragement, you can be that. That's what we're called to be, John 17, 18. As you sent me into the world, God said, this is what Jesus is saying, I am sending you into the world. You are commissioned. You are called to go out and be an uplifter. I am asking right now that you stay seated for one song and look at the video and listen to the words, and then we will dismiss Lord, do not let anybody get up and walk out of here. Help them to stay in there for one minute because as we're going through this song, I pray that they would be reminded of who you are and what you've called us to. Lord, if there's someone that does not know you, I pray that today they'd say, Jesus, I am a sinner and I need you to come into my life and change me. I believe that you came to this world for me. You died on the cross and you overcame the grave for me and I accept that. I trust you, Jesus. In that moment, let them know that you're with them. And God, as we as believers have gathered today, help us to walk out of here and be that same hope to a world and a generation that desperately needs it. Send us, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. my time to go but before I
Come on, y'all, give it up for that band one more time. Come on. Before you get out of here, don't miss your next flight. You say, Justin, what's your next flight? Well, here it is. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And guess what? And the people who have died in Christ will rise first. Isn't that the great thing of him coming back again? And those that are still alive will be caught up with him and gathered with those who died. And check out this last part. We'll be taken up the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. Can I get an amen on some flight right there, son? That's why you need to go out there until he calls us home. Go live as a light. Lift up this community. Lift up your office, your school, your workplace, your home, man. And I can't wait to see you back next week. We're at the Shreveport Convention Center. If you'd love to come and hang out with us, we'd love to have you. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being here. And I pray you have a happy Easter. And until next week, what do we say? Peace. Thanks for coming. God bless y'all.